Welcome to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders, where each and every day we set out to conquer the villain of self-doubt by having encouraging conversations designed to feed your mind, strengthen your body, enrich your spirit, and grow your tribe. Our guest today is Matt Crump, former member of the Berlin Brigade, entrepreneur, host of the Hope Revealed podcast, and cancer survivor. We are going to talk about all things mindset. This is going to be a fantastic episode. Do not go anywhere. We are coming up with Signal Fire Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Signal Fire Radio. I am your host, Rob Renz, and when you hear the desk drumming sounds of my co-host, Matt Mylott, you know what it is. It's time for another episode of Signal Fire. Matt, how are you, man? Hydrated. Hydrated. That's yeah. it? Yeah, ready to rock. <laughs> Joe, Joey C. in the booth is giving you a thumbs down. Big for thumbs down. Yeah, like, elaborate. Um, I feel good. I'm stoked it's Friday. I'm with my brothers in crime. There we and- go. I am super excited as well to talk to Matt because just his apparel alone makes me say, yes. You know how sometimes when somebody walks into a room and you're like, this energy, I want a piece of it. That was you, bro. Well, I do. People do say that about me a lot, but I felt the exact same way when Matt walked into the room. You know, it's funny. I'm going to tell this story real quick. Um, In high school, we played against a school called Flint, Flint River was the name of the school that we played against. And their best player was a dude named Matt Crump. And he owned us for years. And so... This was football? No, 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 basketball. Sorry. Dude, you know, look at me. I can't play football. Look at me. I played football. You don't look like you could play basketball either, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I wasn't very good at basketball. I know you were a middle distance runner. Yeah, I was a middle... (laughs) Shut up, Richard. (laughs) You run the 800... Uh, no, I did not run the 800. I'd fall out on the 800. Longest the, I would run was, was 300, 300, me, 300 meter hurdles. I, did, I thought you, oh, no, hurdler, three, 300 right. meter hur- hurdles was my jam. You could not touch me in the 300 meter hurdle. Except that one guy. Except that one guy, Danny Brown. Not but, Matt Crump. So yeah, no, not Matt Crump. So there we go. We've got two um, arch nemeses in mm. my life. There was Matt Crump and then there was Danny Brown. But this is not the same Matt Crump. I yeah. want to be clear on that. Right. But it was kind of funny because oh what's up joe the wildcats the wildcats flint flint river wildcats Wildcats. that's who they were oh good pull man good pull see if you can find matt crump uh this would have been anywhere from 1999 to 2003 see if we can find matt crump from the flint river wildcats what a crazy crazy thing well anyways me and matt we connected on clubhouse evan are you familiar with with the new it He's not a fan. Sorry. That's how I feel about Clubhouse. Well, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Well, like anything, it is what you make it. Yeah, right? for sure. So I agree with you because I've been in some rooms on Clubhouse, especially yeah. veteran rooms. And we're going to talk to Matt about this. He's going to be a fantastic person to talk about with this because it turns into an echo chamber. Self-licking ice cream cones. Yeah, of whininess sometimes. Yeah. Well, and and, and I, I think that just goes how, you know, to show how important it is that you really have to uh, be mindful of where you're spending your time, you know, because like any other social media platform, Clubhouse can just be an, a catastrophic time waster. Um, you know, I, I think I would just rather be listening to 
other stuff most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, talking but about, you're talking about an MBA program, an MBA program. Yeah. No, as a catastrophic time waster. Oh, <laughs> I just wish I could be doing something else right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think it really does depend on, on, uh, it depend on what room you find yourself yeah. in yeah. And, and who you surround yourself with. And who's there. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the rule of three to five, right? Like sure. the three to five people that you surround yourself with. Matt, are you on a zoom right now? No, I'm trying no, to find stalking I'm, Matt Crump. Trying to find Matt Crump. <laughs> well, you're going to find our guest Matt Crump, but I don't know if you're going to find the other one. You're well, on, are you on Facebook right now? I'm seeing it I in there. I don't the... have Facebook. <sighs> I'm on, all I have is LinkedIn. Our Matt Crump is so so gangster on the internet that yeah. you can't even find any other Matt Crump. Yeah, he's he's literally owned SEO'd his <laughs> everybody else out. Any other Matt Crump that exists. There can be only one. <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. No, you know, it's funny because we talk about some of these other social media platforms and like if you say Twitter to me, I'm going to go, ugh, I don't care for Twitter because everybody's just trying to like dunk on everybody else. Right. Like, m no, my opinion's way better than yours. Sure. And that's why I like LinkedIn a lot because I think LinkedIn is a nice, you know, most people are there to give yeah. value. Well, and then, and then, and then with LinkedIn, it's, it's based around professionalism, you know, um, typically I would say that 90, 85 to 90% of the stuff that's on LinkedIn is, is pretty career focused. Right. Except Whereas when signal fire boys get engaged in their proprietary banter. Yeah. Which we try to avoid. Is I our, don't. But I it's inevitable. It. Is yeah. our banter proprietary? Do we have intellectual property on? I mean, it's pretty close because I don't see anybody else ever joking around like we do. Not, once in a while. No, I don't think in, in, in podcast form. I don't know that I've, I've seen it. Not like, not with the subject matter that, that we try to do. No, totally. Yeah. Totally. But I think it's an important part to our show. And we get a lot of feedback from a lot of our listeners that are like, Hey, we understand that you guys are kind of joking around, but it's always on message. And I really appreciate the camaraderie of the show. And it's part of why I come back to listen because I just enjoy the entertainment value yeah. of it, I guess. But you know, to the point of, you know, going back to clubhouse and <laughs> self-licking ice cream cone as I Evan stole that from it. Herb Thompson, by the way, did you, that's a direct, direct steal from Herb. We're going to have to ask Matt if he knows of Herb Thompson, because Matt was just telling us a story about his, about his beard and Herb has a pretty amazing that's beard a hell of a too beard, as well. Yeah. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to pull those two things together, but you know, any, any platform is going to be what you make it. Um, and so the room that I met Matt Crump in, our guest today, it was Pitch Your Podcast. Mm. And it was really, it was the first time that I engaged on Clubhouse, um, where I went into a room. You, and got, you like raised your hand and you got pulled my up hand, to, the, got pulled up, to yeah. the stage. Yeah. Well, the guy who was moderating it, like was uh, genuinely trying to give value to people. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, hey, Rob, I see you down there. I'm going to pull you up in just a second. We're going to let this other speaker finish. And he said, hey, Rob, tell us about your podcast. And so I was like, well, <laughs> we have, we, we're about to launch our first episode. Me and two buddies that, uh, oh, this was that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was. It was uh, back in the day. It yeah. was like the beginning to middle of January. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like, here's what we do. A Signal Fire Radio. It's a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders. And it's got two of my best buds. Um, you know, Matt Mylot, who was a Marine 
force reconnaissance ranger and evan ranger power go go power rangers we should get you a green you would be the green ranger i think is that the one that no one likes because Matt would definitely not be the one that no one, one likes. The one that got the, all the chicks. Joe, oh. correct me. Joe, correct me. I thought if that I'm was the red one. No, the Red Ranger got all the chicks. Green got all the chicks. Yeah. Well, they they're always they're always fighting with each other. They're I thought that was both. the white and the red one. No, Never, no, no. The Green Ranger became the White Ranger, right? Never watched. Am it. I right about that? Yes. Tommy. <clears throat> You're Tommy right. was the Green Ranger. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's right. When, yes. they, when they became Mighty Morphin. Mighty he, <laughs> Morphin. He he had the T Rex dinosaur. Yeah, okay. And then he became the Falcon. We are losing listeners at a rapid pace. Yeah, right now. <laughs> hey, I don't know anything about Power Rangers because I was too busy watching Top Gun and Point Break and Wonder Years, Evan. I so. like one third of the things you just said. Evan's. I will leave it to the audience to guess which is which. Evan was vociferously angry about a Wonder Years reference that was made in our text thread. Don't Not, wow me, Josie. Joe, he's a Topanga guy. Fred Sa- I, don't, Topanga I don't like guy. Boys, Meets, Boy Meets World either. <laughs> you know why? Because Fred Winnie Savage Cooper. was such a Winnie. douche. Thank you. That, yeah. Can we please mention what it was about? You said, I'm more of a what guy, and you were citing a girl from a Lizzie, TV. Lizzie McGuire. That's not, that's not it. You're oh, a, you're you? a early 2000 Disney's guy. I know it. Like that's even Stevens, maybe. It, was that when Britney Spears was a Mouseketeer? No, no, that was no, no, no. way But I, way look, I just, I, I don't like... Fred Savage's character in the Wonder Years because well, he was such a knob. He was such a bad kid. I know. I'm Fred Savage. Yeah. You were kind of are Fred Savage. Hair, yeah. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Topanga was one of those, uh, you know, like fifth, sixth grade crush, but kind of dorky. But then by the time she was a senior in high school, yeah. Yeah. knockout. I mean, yeah, yeah. Knockout. yeah. I just, I thought Corey, again, was just a total putz. <sighs> Agree to disagree. What else oh, is yeah. new? What else to is new? With. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. It, Matt and I, we met in this clubhouse room, and I said, "This is Signal Fire. This is what it's all about." He was like, "Man, I love Top Gun. I love Point Break." And I was like, "You're gonna love Matt Mylot, mm-hmm. you know." And so <laughs> that part didn't happen, aka New Bodie. But I, I got to learn a little bit about of his story, and he was in the Berlin Brigade. Yeah. In the army in the late nineties, or excuse me, the late eighties and early nineties. Now, Evan, when you found this out, you were like, dude. I was floored. Tell us why. Uh why because, is that legend? Because I so I first of all, I lived, I was stationed in Germany, uh, and with all the military history there, never heard of the Berlin Brigade. I'm in special operations. Never heard of the the Berlin 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 Brigade. But I forgot how to talk. Yeah, never heard of the Berlin Brigade. Um, and and the historical things that they did in like a, a pretty tumultuous time in history. Yeah. Well, let's start with the fact that you weren't born yet. So I wasn't. Don't I you wasn't. Know. Um, Went to a Matt, school. Matt got out of the army when I was two. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Matt Crump, not my lot. No, my lot. I was I was right behind Matt Crump. Yeah. No, no. Uh, I joined the army when when Mad Dog Mylot got out though in two thousand eight. So. The, the patron saint of yeah. war, Mad I, Dog Mylot. I was in the Marine Corps when we still had black boots. Were you really? Yeah. Did you Did you ever put on the Danner boots? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it was a go to, and that was also my favorite boot as a cop. Always wore the Danners. They're heavy, but they last forever. So Vibram Souls. Fun story about Matt. He was a motorcycle cop, and he had those no, big. Was <laughs> he was in chips. Yeah, he had those big riding boots. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be rolling down the PCH, ma'am. I need to see your driver's license. 
why were you going so fast? <laughs> <laughs> My God, Evan, what are you doing here? Oh, let's get this thing back on the rails. So, so Matt Crump, we were having this conversation about it ahead of time, and I think it's relevant, Evan, to your um, distaste about some of the things that you've heard on Clubhouse mm-hmm. in that mindset is a very important thing to possess. Mm-hmm. And what you project really has an impact on the other people that might be on the other end, the receiving end of that. Right. Is that why you are to Clubhouse right now? I think so, because, um, you know, it's there are there are fewer from what I've seen and from the rooms that I've been encouraged to ping into, which I do you every morning. I try to ping. Yeah. Between you and a few other people, um, so many of them are, they just become kind of soapboxy, kind of pedestally. Um, but I've been in a handful that, that really have been, um, trying to create some of that value and, and, um, you know, sort of an open forum with, you know, in the sales community in particular, it's, it's, there's people who, and they, they bring people in and they're like, Hey, come up on stage. Let's talk about what you're experiencing, whether it's through, you know, your, your sales stuff, your marketing stuff. And we'll help to answer these questions, but some platforms, um, there it's not the case. Yeah. Agree with you a hundred percent. Like give me something that's going to help me get through what I'm dealing with. You talked about a sales room, like, Hey, I can't close. Okay. Well, we got Gary Vaynerchuk up here. Like he's going to tell you how to close. Right. Um, but I think the importance of it is, and what we want to talk with our guest about is that um, nothing is as difficult or it's only as difficult as you perceive it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, He was telling us his story. Um, He's been in a a battle with cancer. I think he said for almost 10 years. He's a warrior, a warrior. Yeah. And just back to his energy walking into the room. I was like, we're going to have a great conversation with this guy. And I only knew snippets of the story and he just told it to us. And I was like, wow, man, what an incredible way to think about it. And this is why I was attracted to him when, when we were talking in clubhouse, because he was like, this is me. This is what I'm all about. I don't see myself as a victim or a survivor. Um, and I think he's got a really fantastic message that our people are going to be able to, our, our fans and our listeners are going that's, to be able to That's kind of a theme that we're developing, you know, that, that resilience is, is kind of crap sometimes. And we need to, we need to be anti-fragile. Our, our previous guest, Scott Schroeder, we didn't ask him about resilience. Yeah. He had a story, but he did promise he would come back on. So Good. we'll ask him about it next time. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a real quick break before we do. Matt is wearing our newest and freshest Signal Fire t-shirt. Matt, do you want to tell the people where they can get that phenomenal merch that you're wearing and who it goes to support? So right now I'm wearing the charcoal color uh, Signal Fire Steve uh, Steve. chest emblem. Looks kind of like a torch Signal Fire with like a Spartan shield. Very strong looking logo. Uh, Signalfire.media. We have a whole collection. Forward slash shop. Forward slash shop. That's forward slash shop. Um, and it's important to note that not only do we have multiple colors, we have tie-dye, but then the kicker for all of the ladies and gentlemen in the Navy and Marine Corps up at Camp Lejeune, we have OD Green, 
what we call skivvy shirts with a golden signal fire Steve on the chest. And I believe on the back, uh, on the easy hippie, the easy yes. hippie, has easy hippies on the back, but you can wear them with your camis. And we got, we already have Marines and sailors that are wearing them underneath their camis. So, you know, we, we wear uh, coyote brown shirts, but yep. we can also wear OD green. And I wore mine to work the other day to, to much uh, applause. Real quick in 60 seconds, how empowered did you feel wearing an easy hippie shirt underneath your camis? There's a conversation starter for yeah. sure. Uh, and the answer to that is all of the empowered. Yeah. And people are like, what's that mean? And I had the chance to to tell them like, <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. Right. Do they listen to the radio? Do they even like and subscribe, bro? They must not. But yeah. yeah, just having the opportunity to share, you know, what we're working on here at Signifier and the story of how Easy Hippie came to be got people like, hey, what's the link to the shirt? You know, nice. And not and to mention the fact that all of it goes towards supporting suiting warriors. That's right. That's what I was going to ask you next. So 100% of the profits of all of our t-shirt sales go directly to suiting warriors. If you don't know what suiting warriors is, what they do, uh, they provide free professional attire to transitioning men and women getting out of the service. And so the t-shirts is our way of generating a little bit of revenue to give to a very well-deserving nonprofit. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back in just a second with our guest, Matt Crump, right on the other side of this break on Signal Fire Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Signal Fire Radio. If you're not watching us on one of our video channels, you should. Because anytime Lady Gaga comes on, Matt and Evan, just like two cats, it's close to a fist fight. I love her more. No, I love her more. No, I love her more. It's me. It is you? Yep. Joe, what do you think of Lady Gaga? I retired Jersey Chicks about 1999. She doesn't count. She doesn't count. Is she a Jersey girl? Yeah, she's a Jersey girl. Oh, of course. Ginzo to the nine. Yeah. <laughs> full, full on. Like Stephanie with no E. Stefani. Stefani. Yeah. Uh, fist pumping on the boardwalk, yeah. right? I love it. I love it so much. We have an incredibly special guest who I'm super pumped to talk with today. His name is Matt Crump. Matt, welcome to the show, man. Dude, it's been a long time since we played football. Yeah? Yeah. Well, it was basketball. <laughs> it was basketball. but No, you said football first. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is that you really don't resemble him at all. That's great. He was a tall black dude. <laughs> <laughs> We're twins. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't. All right. Sorry. My bad, man. My yeah. bad. Welcome to the show, bud. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it, man. So you were you and I were talking on the drive in. You you put out a lot of content um, yep. in your professional life and, and I think just from your spirit. But this is the first one that you've like gotten to do in person or live in a long, long time, right? Yeah, I mean, since COVID hit, man, there's not a lot of opportunity to do stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'll come. I could get away from my desk. Yeah. That's fantastic. And your your family took a trip this weekend, right? You said you Yeah, were... my wife's out of town. Well, the kids are at school. So okay. by the time I get back home, they'll we'll do dinner in bed. But, uh, you know, whatever. I love it, man. I love it. Well, um, thanks for being here. For our listeners who aren't accustomed or, or know your story, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Well... I'm the founder of Clubhouse, and it's an incredibly <laughs> awesome program and format. And Let me get in on that IPO. Yeah, I think you're a dweeb if you don't want to go on there. It's an 
is dweeb a 90s word? It might be. Yeah, dweeb. dweeb. I, it hurt me personally. <laughs> well, so. then it's, a, it's your term. That's okay. right there. That's good. Call dweeb. him a cake eater. He hates to be oh, called a cake we're eater. Oh, that back. Yeah. I saw him and Lady Gaga sharing it the other night, but that's all right. <laughs> So, uh, all right. So my story, well, it's uh, it's quite interesting, I guess. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm here, because if it was boring, you probably would have asked me to yeah. come by. But it started really at 10 years old. I was um, really fighting with things in life. I didn't feel like I fit in with a lot of a lot of people, and I didn't know how to handle it. Started smoking cigarettes and uh, hiding it, obviously. Didn't want to – so at 10 years old, I was smoking cigarettes. Fast forward about 13 years old. I'm really frustrated with life. I, I just feel like um, I didn't have any acceptance or – feel like things were just all against me. Um, and I walked up to my room one day, grabbed a plastic bag and some tape and put the bag around my head, wrapped the tape around my head, and I was going to kill myself. Uh, so in the process of my head being covered with a bag, uh, right when I was about to pass out, I, I just ripped it off my head. I realized now, did a little bit then, but more now, I really didn't want to die. I just didn't want to live the way I was living. Um, Fast forward a few more years, high school, I become an alcoholic, started really doing big stuff into drugs. I'm doing, uh, you know, acid, of course, that's the stuff back in the day, acid and, and speed and uh, marijuana. And then uh, this thing called crack cocaine comes out. So I joined the military and the military was actually the open door for me to become a full-fledged drug addict. Wow. Yeah, my, I can't go into Australia. I can't tell you who taught me to be a drug addict. That would probably be a bad thing, but- <laughs> I had a lot of I had a lot of opportunities, so I really I really was was messing around with life and um, you know drinking and drugging and doing all that kind of stuff, and it just it did not answer the question. I just felt as if at one point I just couldn't drink enough or get high enough. I I wasn't even feeling like I was drunk or high anymore. I just felt incomplete, like there was nothing. What else is there to this life? Well, then uh, I got stuck on duty one time in the middle of the desert with a guy, just the two of us. All the unit went back, and we had to stay out there and watch, the, watch all the tanks and the vehicles. So while I'm out there, I'm the drug guy, life of the party, fun guy. I'm stuck with the Christian. So seven days, me and the Christian alone. <laughs> it was crazy, right? I was thinking, how can I stay away from him while I'm out here? Who the, will break who? He's the, the thunder will come down from heaven, and he'll... <laughs> smoke my eyes out or something's going to happen, right? And uh, of course, eventually we started talking and he started sharing a few things with me and it actually made some sense. And uh, it was some things that I felt like could help me a bit. And um, I'm very social guy, life of the party, love people, always felt like everybody liked me. Why wouldn't you, right? So this one guy, he just would not get close enough to me. I was like, why does this guy avoid me all the time? You will like me. I know, I was like that. Yeah. I was, then I was driven, like, I'm going to make this guy like me. <laughs> I wrote him a letter. Why don't you like me? I did it. I wrote a letter, whole thing. I was like, I yes, thought you liked no, me. Yes, no, maybe. Check a box. I know. It was crazy because I, I thought we had something going on here, man. I thought we were friends. And uh, I sent out to him. We were getting ready to go on a mission the next morning. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I uh, walked over, grabbed him, put on his, his uh, vehicle while we were sitting there. And about an hour later, he comes by. And he says, come on, let's go. And I said, okay. And we took a walk. And uh, I don't know if anybody's been to the desert in the middle of the night. But if you're in a desert where there is no light pollution, there are a gazillion, that's a word now, stars in the sky. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's amazingly gorgeous. And it was a full moon. And we walked to the top of this mountain. And literally, I am the guy that had a mountaintop experience. Light shining down on us. He's right there. He grabs my hands. We pray. I become a Christian. And everything changed for me that time. That just changed my whole life. What year was this? This was 1988. And... 
so how long had you been in the army at this point? I was in the army for one and a half years. Wow. Yep. All my friends were already gone to Leavenworth. Everybody was getting busted. Yeah. I was nervous. There was a lot of a lot of feelings going back at that time, right? And uh, I just didn't know what to do. I was I was stationed at the NTC that back then. Anybody in the military knows the NTC. And uh, back then, uh, we did Russian war tactics training. So I was trained in Russian procedures and war tactics and things of that nature, which was which was pretty fun. Um, quite interesting. Might go back that way, but uh, we'll find about that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while I was in there, I was doing all that kind of stuff, and that's when uh, I had the opportunity to re-enlist, and I was offered, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the Berlin Brigade. And that was a, uh, that's not an easy place to get into. And I was amazed that I was able to go to Berlin Brigade. It was just maybe three months after I got married that I was re-enlisted and I was reassigned to Berlin. Do you think you got that because of your transformation? I don't see how it couldn't have been that way. I don't think I don't think it would have been any other way. I think it was definitely part of the plan because there's so many things that happened in my life while I was there mm-hmm. that um, were extremely transformational. Now, I would say probably at least 50% of it I didn't realize was happening at the time. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Because um, you're dealing with your daily job and, you know, you know, everybody knows the Army. We love it, but it sucks, right? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. So it's just like, oh, man, it's still the Army, you know. But um, there was just some things about the area that I was in. I was extremely, extremely privileged to be in a place like Berlin, Germany, where 40 years before I lived there, Nazis were walking the same streets I walked. Jews were being murdered and slaughtered all around the places. I lived in places where Jews were killed. Um, So to live in a place like that and know that I was standing literally for freedom, when we'd walk through the Berlin area right by the wall and people on the opposite side of the wall saw us, the looks on their faces, including the Russian soldiers, were completely shocking. They wanted to be on our side of the wall, right? So it was just a, an amazing, I can tell you so many stories, we don't have enough time, but it was really a, a, a powerful transformational time in my life. What was, that, what was that feeling like being on the ground there? Like, t- Talk us through what that felt like to you. Knowing- right, so, so you can... I knew most everybody there, it doesn't matter if they were spiritual or not. That's not the point here in this, in this part of the conversation. But that feeling you're talking about, it's, it's impossible to escape. Um, there is a heaviness. Oh, yes. That's and a the weight. exact word. Yeah. It is, it is tangible. You feel it. I mean, we're doing, even doing training, right? We did our Doughboy stuff. We did our, all, of our, all of our training sessions. I mean, you felt it all, right? And, um, you you can't escape it. So I, I was telling uh, I was I was talking earlier about um, there's a concentration camp right on the outside of Berlin called Sachsenhausen, and Sachsenhausen is a concentration camp that dealt with mainly um, political prisoners, high high profile people. Right. One of my one of my heroes of the World War II era era is named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a powerful Christian author who smuggled and did a lot of things to try to get the gospel through people into that scenario back then when the Nazis were killing everything because, you know, Hitler was insane. Right. So um, he, he's doing stuff. But anyway, they kept trying to bust Bonhoeffer, the Germans, and they finally found something to get him on. They arrested him and took him away from his family, his wife holding on yards, and they went to a concentration camp. Um, I stood at and held the door of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's cell. I stood where they where they killed him. And um, he died standing for what he believed in, mm. 
One of his books is called The Cost of Discipleship. And one of the things that he really passionate about was something called cheap grace. These are some things that really hit me back then, right? And when you're living there, you're in the place, right? So one of the things he talked about was cheap grace. And he's referring to, you know, Christians with the crosses and all the videos and, you know, whatever rap guys with all these crosses. Up. I mean, <laughs> what does that really mean hanging around your neck, right? It's Most of the time it's a fashion statement, right? But Dietrich Bonhoeffer back then was saying, when you do things like that, it's cheap grace. Like, imagine that you are completely bloodied that your own mom doesn't even recognize you. You're just a piece of raw meat hanging on a stick. And then you go, oh, yeah, man, it's so cool. I, mean, just, I just uh, I think I wear a cross. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice. Right? It doesn't mean anything. That becomes cheap grace. Mm-hmm. So it's really some of the things that he was talking about in many books. But that's one of the things that stuck with me back then. And being able to serve in a place like Berlin Brigade, I felt that I was a part of a family. I felt like I was a part of something important that made a difference in the world, that um, we were able to conquer evil. I mean, you think about some of the evil that we've seen today, right? I mean, even when I was in the war, the Gulf War, and we had uh, Saddam Hussein, right? He was definitely evil. He killed millions of people. So there's a lot of things that are similar to Hitler. Uh, you got bin Laden. All these other things are of today, and they're horrible. They're horrible. Um, but to know that you're standing in a place like where this guy Hitler, by the way, there was a lot of people before Hitler that were pretty insane mm-hmm. too. Um, but to know you're in that place where he was, I stood on his grave, you know, it was a place to say, I am glad and thankful that I could stand here and I would take a bullet for anybody around me because I'm, that's what I'm here to do, right? So it's just one of those places where you feel like you're really a part of something. So that feeling that we're just talking about, that heaviness, that you just can't escape it. Yeah. So the Soxenhausen place is that kind of a place. It could be sunshiny outside in the parking lot and you walk into Soxenhausen, it is gray mm. and dark. There's no sun. Uh, I stood in the gas chambers. I stood in places, I was talking earlier, there's a place there called the... There's a, there's a track there, and it's called the, where they had a thing called Bloody Shoes. Um, there was a German facility back then that made shoes. They were one of the top producers of shoes in the world back then. And they tried to have a little bit of a, of a program where they wanted to test shoes and see how things could last, what kind of soles you would do, how you would sell them, how you do so. So they began putting all these shoes on all of the Jews that were in the concentration camp. Let's say you wear a size 10. Well, they would just hand you a shoe. If it was a size five, it doesn't matter. You will, you will squeeze your foot in that shoe, and you will walk in that shoe until the shoe wears out or you die. Mm. And if you don't, you'll be shot anyway. And when they would take they would take all the shoes, they would analyze them and see what was going on with them, and they'd throw them in a big pile. To this day, there's a, a huge pile of thousands and thousands of shoes sitting at Soxenhaus where these people walked and died. They literally walked in those shoes to death. And the same company today, fast forward, that was, that was doing that is still in business in Germany. The, the great-granddaughter of the grandfather who owned the business back then has flipped the script on what they're doing, and they've actually taken uh, efforts to find anybody that is a survivor for a Holocaust, and they're helping take care of their medical costs, and they're helping them with things in life, which is a great thing. They're trying to do they – can't, they can't change it, but they're trying to make a difference, right? So it's just some of those experiences and feelings, especially when you're in the military. You know, I've got PTSD from the war. I mean, I've got PTSD from cancer. I mean, all that kind of stuff too. And you, you experience these things, and it just becomes a very, um, sometimes a very noticeable and impactful part of your life. And sometimes it becomes a, a secret weapon of destruction in your life. And sometimes you know the difference between the two. And uh, that's some of the things that I've been talking about. You knew what I was talking about recently in a series that I'm doing on trauma right now on LinkedIn. Um, so, you know, I'm really passionate about those things. So when I talk about this stuff, and we'll talk about cancer and stuff, I think, here in a bit, too. But for me, it's about all the things I've experienced in my life 
I mean, I, for sure, I, I could tell you everything that I've done wrong and not what to do. I'm the, I'm the, the miracle wrong guy. I tell you anything what not to do. I'm really good at that. Um, so I try to help people as much as I can, but just providing hope and, and a direction and guidance, especially for people that feel like they can't overcome obstacles. They can't, uh, they can't tackle a goal. It's just all these always ideas. And goal is still an idea until you actually do something about it. It has to take action, right? So those things are difficult for a lot of people to do, especially when you're wrestling with some of those things like I'm talking about. So um, that's kind of that story. The Berlin Brigade was just uh, an amazing, amazing part of my life that I will, I'm forever grateful for and, and thankful that I had the opportunity to be there. So I, I have a question. You mentioned that heaviness. And, and as soon as you said that, I understood exactly what you mean. Because yeah. I've, you know, having been to some of those places and seen – you know, you find out later on that some of the atrocities that were committed there and some of the things that went on. And, and when you talk about that heaviness, do you think that you felt that because of your spirituality and because of like how in touch you were with what went on? Or do you think that someone who, even someone who isn't spiritual can still kind of feel that? Yeah, I think that, I think I could interpret and understand what that feeling was better. Not that I was better. Just because I was in touch with some of those things a bit better than some other people. I mean, I had some friends that were just party animals and life of the party and crazy guys, right? And they do whatever they want. See you in hell, Matt. Let's go fight. Raw, right? We do all this stuff. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll be in hell down there having a party while you're up there in heaven. Yeah, right. It's going to be a real party in hell, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, but there's all kind of guys, but we could all be saying that kind of stuff. We loved each other. You know, we all be yeah. around, but we would all say those things and go to those places and everybody would be, be the same thing. Everybody felt it, you know, but some people just didn't know what to do with it. Mm. That's the same thing with today. A lot of people have things like that in their lives. They just don't know what to do with it. I feel like uh, that, that spirituality, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot. And, and a lot of times, you know, whether you call it faith or you call it spirituality, it helps to kind of bridge that gap when you don't fully understand those, those right. things that you're feeling. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to rely upon that more, not growing up as a spiritual person, not being raised with that type of values, but I'm, I'm seeing how important it is now and even being able to go back and realize how spiritual I've been throughout experiences in my life without, without having even like it, a right? word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Do you, no, so true. I, I agree with you. It's, it, it really just comes down to the, some of the experiences. And, and you know, the older you get, the more you look back on some things, you, you feel it a bit more. You can interpret it a bit more. But mm-hmm. there's, if, if you don't live believing that there's something bigger than yourself, you're not living. Do you think, Matt, um, you know, those buddies that you were with that were like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, we're here, we're somewhere special. Do you find that's more of a defense mechanism? Oh, absolutely. Why? Well, because any of those guys, any of them, when something went wrong, guess who they came to talk to? (laughs) Yeah. Matt, I'm dealing with something. Every one of them. Don't care what they said, how much they trash talked me, did not matter. And um, that's the reality. I mean, a lot of times especially when you're a soldier and you go through things like that and you've been in war, um, it's easy to try to cover things up, mask things, um, pretend, you know, but in reality, it's really there. And if you don't do something about it, it's, it's dangerous. I mean, bro, 22 veterans a day killing themselves. I mean, we got a problem. Sure. You know, it's not like the government can wave a magic wand and fix it. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw it. It doesn't work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man, that's unbelievable. It's, it's interesting that we're having this conversation, especially about being in a place where something significant happened. Because uh, when we were at lunch earlier, we were talking about Evan and I 
And this is a, a really alarming speech. This guys. is a very alarming <laughs> it speech. It is. I'm really yeah. We're dropping dropping hot fire. This is there, really apparently. this is fire. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is hot. Joe, find out if the building is burning down and if we need to evacuate. Oh, do you think the, do you think the yoga studio cigarette. next door had uh, too many too many candles burning? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's, oh, possibly. There, yeah. There's the massage studio right oh, down massaging. the way. Yeah. yeah. Some hot stuff too. <laughs> hey, we got some hot oil spilt on somebody. <laughs> go wave a go wave a uh, damp rag out there. Yeah. Sebastian, Sebastian, I told you not to do that. <laughs> well, what we were what we were discussing was like um, when I when when we were in Al Ambar, and you know, there's whether we were doing like a patrol through Ramadi or or Fallujah or something like mm-hmm. that, and it was like, okay, we are in the middle of the Tigris and the Euphrates, the the breadbasket of civilization where all life came from. And I remember doing a convoy and like looking at between the two rivers and I'm like, something happened here and I feel a connection to this place, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. How did that whole experience of you being in Germany catapult you through the next, you know, couple of decades of life lessons that you've learned? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm so thankful for my, I'm really thankful for my military experience. I mean, I'm a patriot. I love our country, regardless of the, the mess that we're seeing right now. It's a, that's a heartbreaker. But I think that um, those experiences, that opportunity to be able to be in those places and, and feel those things, the discipline it took, right? all those, it, the, the power, the dedication, all those things make a big difference. And when you come through life and, and you, you have other experiences coming your way, I mean, there's no way that some of those things to – and one of the things we'd said in, in the military, I don't know if in, in your era of the military – but one of the things we said back then is what you what you do in practice, you'll do in war. Mm-hmm. Train as you fight. That's right. So I think that is forever for a guy like me, for guy like guys like you. It's it. You can't take that away, right? It's it's there. So when those other obstacles come my way, I either have to do what I've been trained to do, what I know to do, and other things I've been trained to do through my studies and my research and my my faith with with God and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's a, a big part of it. Now I could also say no. I mean, I could easily say no. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many times I've wanted to say no. Uh, it's been a hard fight. I've got a book called God's Got This, and everybody looks at me as this big, positive, inspirational guy, and I can't believe all the things you do, and you're so amazing. This I, would, I couldn't imagine being like that, and God's got this, right? Yes, he does. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, yeah, but I was thinking about putting a bullet to my head tonight. Well, right? and I think that even lends you more credibility, you know, um, just from my personal perspective, because I'm I'm the team cynic, as as the, the guys would tell you. <laughs> no. But, yeah, very but much so. You should start a room on Clubhouse. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm thinking, you know, the, I think you Lady know, Gaga's on there. She better be. Yeah, she but, better be. But what you were saying earlier about your issues with, with substance abuse and stuff like that, and now, you know, translating that into what you do now, mm-hmm. I think that lends you more credibility yeah. you know you don't you don't you don't trust the aa counselor who's not an alcoholic right you know, they don't they don't i mean know. when you've been there you've been there right so i mean one of the things i used to do is i used to tell a lot of my stories about all my drug addiction days and the the ways we'd go run drugs and different things that we would do right and i used to say it a lot and then i realized one day i was really glorifying my past sure i was actually proud of my drug addiction alcoholism and I used this in a lot of my stories. I thought I was doing the right thing mm. by sharing things that I thought people would connect with. And I realized, you know what? I would rather just say, you know, it's a drug addict. I was an alcoholic, but I had this experience. changed my life forever, right? The, the glory goes to the transformation. Yeah, not exactly. The, not the expertise, The stuff right? that not happened crap, before right? it, yeah. Right. And yeah. That's, that take, that's what makes the difference. Yeah. 
Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a real quick break here. Uh, Matt has already gone out into the hallway to rip all the fire alarms out of the wall. <laughs> We're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, so much more with Matt Crump to hear about how he's turned adversity into positivity in his life and how he just frankly is a signal fire to everybody that's around him. Don't go anywhere. We will be back as soon as this alarm turns off. is what synth matt don't tell me how to do the show welcome back ladies and gentlemen to signal fire radio i am your host rob Renz. if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time you know that when this song comes back on it puts my lot like in the happiest of places and he's in the booth right now and matt what were you just saying as you exited because you got that you got that crazy look in your eyebrow well it's just because i'm, I'm in the sound room with joe and Naked and Famous is one of my big bands that I love. So you, I got a little jealous that you guys are in the hot box and I'm out here. Yeah, because you don't have your headphones on, so you can't hear it as well in there. I huh? think it's actually hotter in there. So Yeah, with well, those two. In there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. With those two, that is the hot box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome back to Signal Fire, ladies and gentlemen. We have a fantastic conversation going Uh, with our guest, Matt Crump. And Matt, we talked about just all the layers and um, twists in your story and moments of clarity and transformation. But that really, where we we left off, kind of how you got out of the army, that wasn't the last bit of adversity that you faced in your life, right? Uh, No, it's like, that was basic training. (laughs) That was basic training. Okay. So t- I never would have thought that, you know, I was yeah. ready to go save the world and have great stuff, great time. I was a singer-songwriter, I had a recording contract, I did all kinds of stuff. Uh, what you know, haven't you done? I know. Dude, it's insane. I feel like we need to have you for like a series. I'm selling you, it's ins- if people listen to me, they're thinking I'd probably make it up, but bro, <laughs> I have a list a mile long of things I've done in my life. You already. know what You know what we need to do? We need to put uh, Matt and Chris McKinley in the same room. Oh my gosh. Because Chris, so Chris was a Navy SEAL. He's a uh, physician's assistant now. He works with my wife at Trinity Wellness Center, Wat- Waterford. But he's done like voiceover work. And yeah, cheap plug. He's also a country. Ding! Phenom. He has a country oh, really? music song. Yeah, he was a contributor on Nat Geo and like yeah. Fox News. It, and every time he says... There's just like something new. He's like, oh yeah, I've done that. He was Tim Kennedy like, no. before Tim Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so you learned to level up in adversity shortly after. Shortly after the army, what happened? Man, I tell you what. Um, when we got out of the military, we had all of our stuff. I mean, we bought like household furniture. We had all kinds of really all the German stuff, nice furniture, everything, and we had no money. So um, I ended up being a vacuum cleaner salesman door to door. That job really sucked. And then, uh, oh. yeah, thank you very much. I get it. My uh, wife, uh, she worked at Pizza Hut. So she was working to uh, to end going to college at the same time, working on her degree for physical therapy. And um, I was, you know, selling vacuum cleaners and whatnot. So then I, I ended up going to back to college to get my, uh, my MDiv in theology and biblical counseling. So that was the degree I got. Plus, I was already uh, had degrees and work in uh, marketing, sales, and services. That was my, my heartthrob. I wanted to start a, bi- a business when I was in high school. Um, so then I finally thought this was my chance to kind of spread my entrepreneurial wings, you know. Um, but that started with vacuum cleaner salesman stuff. That was quite interesting. I could tell you some stories. <laughs> Again, Matt Crump series. Yeah. I'm okay. telling you what. Spinoff? Oh, for sure. I Spin-off. can't tell you about the time I went to a uh, – okay. 
I hope this doesn't offend anybody out there. It's just a story, guys. If it does, it does. It's just a story. They've made it this far. I went to this house. <laughs> it was it was seven thirty at night in a place called Massey Hill, and where I live in town. So it's a not a very happy community. And I I opened the door, and this guy goes, "Hello," and I said, "Um, hi, I'm here to do this, the presentation. Please come in." And I walked in there, and this is Steve, my 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 partner. I was like, okay, cool. We go in there, and then I was doing this thing about this whole presentation with these guys. Would you like a glass of wine? No, I'm I'm really good. Don't want a glass of wine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to go home to my wife here shortly after we're done with this, right? So I go there. So anyway, one of the presentation parts was to take the cushions from their couch, and I put them in this plastic bag, and it sucks all the air out, and it shows how you can. And it took all the crap out and you can the see it in the filter mites, right all of it's in there right i go through the whole skin. thing so as i give as i go to pull the the that um cover the thing off their couch right the pad <laughs> five playgirl um magazines fell to the floor just flop open everywhere and i'm like uh he goes i'm sorry excuse me and he ran over and grabbed himself i'm so i'm so embarrassed i'm so embarrassed oh it was really they were under the cushions of the couch? How under did the those cushions. get there? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I, I can imagine them thinking, like, he's going for the cushions. He's going for the cushions. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not those cushions. Yeah. Was it the Kirby vacuum? No, I was filter queen. Okay. So I was a filter queen guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that, I'm telling you, it's just a story. This means uh, nothing. It's just a story. Oh, that's but fantastic. It was amazing. That's fantastic. So, all right. So, Sorry, that was yeah, a big rabbit. Yeah, that's okay. We were okay, talking about fun. all kinds of deep stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah it was it. fun. <laughs> all right. Don't so you were, so, yeah, so you you uh, were saying that you leveled up on adversity. You guys didn't have any money. You took a job, and you were going through school, and. Yeah, that was the big thing for us to both to try to really pursue what we what we wanted to do. My wife had to take a, a different type of a degree because uh, by the time I got out of the military, her original plan was to be a physical therapist and only thing we could do at that time was physical therapy assistant so she was a bit upset about that um so she still got it and she's now an executive at a hospital she's a fantastic incredible woman that's a long story too uh and i ended up pursuing the stuff with my dreams for for ministry i wanted to go back in the military as a chaplain okay that's what i was planning on doing um but i ended up becoming a pastor in the community and um I never went back to the military, basically. But I've lived in Fayetteville since I got out of the Army, so it's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. You still, still have the same touch, same feel. And I just uh, started my, my, my uh, role there. So when I left the vacuum cleaner business, because it sucked, right? <laughs> um, then I started selling um, print advertising and novelties okay. and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. The penny saver? Oh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yep, we did, it, we did it locally there in town. So that's really where I started getting my teeth on sales, you know? It was pretty good. So... What are you still a pastor? Yes, technically. Okay. I okay. resigned from the church that I was pastoring at about four years ago. Okay. But I'm still technically a pastor and I'm a leader of a non denomination. I'm of a ministry that yeah. it's all around the world. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um and you're doing a few things differently professionally now. Yeah, big shift. Yeah. So one of the things that attracted me to you, other than our our happen, you've said about three times that you're attracted. To I me. well, you know, and I was. <laughs> hey, can say you come do a vacuum presentation I'm telling you, for me? Yeah, I'm, I <laughs> I know how to do it. Don't move his couch cushions. <laughs> no, <laughs> God knows what's there under there. Skeletons. Where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> but you are. You talk a lot about. Um, techniques for trauma mm -hmm. um and you had a post up recently about it before you t before we kind of dive into that 
all these experiences that you've had have led up to that being your profession or yeah, okay yeah. everything just set me up for where I'm at now I didn't expect to be in this position I thought maybe I'd be my claim to fame would be a singer songwriter traveling all around the world doing that stuff or maybe a writer or, or a big speaker that everybody wanted to come listen to right I, I always felt that would be where I would go I've always felt a call to the world since I was a kid just didn't know what that meant right uh Never in my wildest dreams did I think that cancer would be the claim to fame for me. It mm. really has been the ticket to put me on the map for people to listen to me. Um, and I'm grateful. I, I despise and I am grateful for cancer. I hate it, but at the same time, it's opened my eyes to a lot of things that I never would have seen before. And it opens me up to opportunities to say things to folks that um, a lot of other people can't. Matter of fact... Last night on Clubhouse, I was talking to a gentleman, and he was talking about his story, and he just found out he has testicular cancer. And he was concerned about how he could scale a business and move forward in his dreams as an entrepreneur um, with the fact that he's thinking he might die. That's a tough call. Mm. I mean, how do you pursue your dreams and really put all your effort into something like that, like if it's a waste of freaking time because you're going to die, right? So then when I was in the room uh, – I kind of have, you know, a few people follow me on LinkedIn, right? So I, I was in the room and they said, oh, by the way, Matt Crump's here. We're going to pull him up on the stage. They have this stage. Things really cool how Clubhouse works for most people. Um, so they, uh, they put me on the stage. Present keep, company I'm, excluded. I'm digging on him, all right? Yeah. Digging him? It's crazy. Experiences may vary. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah. They do. But, uh, so they noticed that I was there and they immediately knew that this guy was talking about this thing. And they knew my story. They're like, so will you please come up? So I talked about a few things there. And then with just a matter of, of, of minutes, I got a ping on my phone, and he was messaging me, like, can we talk, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I live for that. I mean, I don't care about credit or, or fame or anything like that. I, I need some fame in that sense for people to know who I am so I can be heard. Um, but I really just do it because I'm so passionate about people. And that's come through all of my experiences in life. I sound so cheesy, but it's freaking real. I mean, yeah. I've been through so much. You can't cuss here. But I've been through so much stuff in my life. That um, if I'm alive, I'm supposed to have been dead four times already in the past two and a half years. If I'm not, obviously, what the heck am I here for then? I'm going to sit around and sit in my house and waste my time. I'm, I'm medically retired. I could do nothing if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, I can't. So I have an opportunity to help people to overcome things in their lives. That's why I say that I'm here to help people overcome obstacles, achieve their goals, and live a life of abundance, right? That's one of my little 25-cent statements. And for me, it's not just a, a headline or a marketing scheme. It's, the, it's what I feel. And if you watch my content enough, if you follow me enough, you find that to be true. And uh, it opens up a lot of opportunities for some of the amazing conversations that happen after the video. What did you tell him about how to deal with that juxtaposition of, I want to keep living, but I have this fear? Yeah, so here's the thing. Anybody that's had cancer listening that's, that's battling cancer, been through it, or knows somebody – I mean, when somebody walks into a room like me and they said, um, Mr. Crump, you have cancer. Well, I've, I can't tell you guys how many people over my life as a pastor and a counselor I've had in rooms and I've counseled them, given them scriptures and things to help them feel better about things and overcome some of the obstacles they're facing, right? <laughs> Until somebody tells you that you have cancer, it's a game changer. I didn't. It didn't rock my faith, but it, it rocked me to wonder who I really was and what I really stood for, right? So 
for me, it feels like this. You can choose when they say that, like you can say, I'm either, well, poor Matt, you know, he's dying of cancer, right? People say stuff like that behind the scenes. You hear about Matt and he's dying of cancer, right? Well, for me, it's this. I'm going to flip the script on that. I'm not dying of cancer. I'm living life. I will live until I come in a blaze of glory to the gates of heaven. I will do whatever I have to do as much as I possibly can and live life, or I might as well just shoot myself because you, it's a choice. It's one or the other. You can, you can die of cancer or live life. So I think it's a, it's a big decision somebody has to make, and you can only really make it if you have somebody to help you get through it. It has to be, and it really helps if it's somebody that's been there. When you opened up uh, and you were telling us the story of your childhood and you were like in the act of committing suicide, um, that moment where you were like, no, I want to live, is that the same feeling as what you are experiencing right now? There's a similarity. Um, I wrestled with acceptance a lot back then. Um, I still do today in some areas for sure. I, I could be transparent enough to admit that. Um, but there's a, there is a bit of difference in that point. So I think that back then it was a place where I was 13. I didn't know how to define some of those things. You know, it's really, I hadn't lived much life at that point, you know. And now, going through what I've gone through in my life, I mean, there's, I, you know, talk about not glorifying stories, but I, one of my really good friends, we did crack together all the time. And one night we were up all night freebasing and we ran out, we're digging in the carpet. I'm, I'm literally smoking grains of salt in I had a, a socket wrench socket that I had made a pipe out of over a gas stove. And so we were just out. We didn't have anything left. So we got his wife, who was pregnant. She was smoking with us. She was seeing all kinds of things outside that weren't there. We got her in the car. We drove down to where we knew we could get some stuff in a really not good side of town. And she went into the room, stayed there for about 25 minutes, and came back out. And we had more crack. He traded his wife out for some more crack so we could smoke the rest of the night. Are Crazy you stuff, bro. serious? Yeah. So when you've been through stuff like that, it, yeah. it changes everything. Yeah. Man, that's unbelievable. Matt, we got like three or four minutes together. Um, tell us, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they should reach out? Yeah, if they're not on LinkedIn, by the way, it's a great platform. It's not just for resumes anymore. But um, Evan calls it Facebook for CEOs. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, say, I say like Facebook's where the kids play yeah. and, and LinkedIn's where the grownups live. Yeah. That's just what it is. No, LinkedIn's great. It yeah, is, it's really so depth. I mean, there's so much depth there. So much yeah. great advice, right? So obviously LinkedIn's one easy place to find me. I'm really simple to find on LinkedIn. You just put me in there and I'll pop up. Um, but then my website's the easiest. So simple. Matt Crump. TV. Matt Crump dot TV. Not to be confused with the Matt Crump that I no. squared off with no. in high school he basketball. He was much better basketball than me. <laughs> dusted you in high Bad school. Bad dusted. Dusted. He did dunk on me. He was the first guy to dunk oh. on me. Yeah, that was my first broken I know. Do his... you wear man bun sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Do you really? I pull it back a little bit. I, I don't, don't know. about that. I don't know the diff, like what I have going on right now where it's just like pulled back if this is considered a bun. I don't know. It's just that you're hot and you put it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't want all this heat on the back of my <laughs> neck. So um, will you stick around for a few minutes so we can discuss the the Matt Crump miniseries with Signal Fire Radio? Let's we'll do, do a it. Spinoff. Let's do it. I love it, man. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break and then we're going to wrap up and uh, we're going to send you guys on your way for this episode of signal fire radio don't go anywhere we will be right back i'm
I'm State Farm Agent Rob Renz, and I want to help you get to a better state. We are one of the fastest growing and most reviewed insurance agencies in Wilmington. That's because our customers love the personalized attention that we give to you. Let us help you get to a better state by visiting our website at ilminsurance.com. That's ilminsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to do it for us here on Signal Fire Radio. Before we go, Mylot, any parting thoughts that you would like to send out to our wonderful audience? I just want to really embrace the value of listening to Matt's story and his testimony. And I was making, Joe and I were, were talking about it as we were listening, but anytime we hear somebody had, you know, that has suffered from cancer tell us a story, especially survivors, it is epic juice and fuel. Yeah. Fantastic stuff, Ev. Yes, yeah, I love you, buddy. Same. Not only, not only just you know what what he has has survived medically, but but emotionally yeah. and spiritually, what he is has dealt with and overcome, and and used to really fuel his passion. Now that's so incredible, and I think we can all take something away yep. from that. There's always a lot of love in this room. Normally, I'm feeling it elevated right There's now. There's extra love. Yeah, and we hope that you're going to get a little piece of it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here with us on Signal Fire Radio. We'll talk to you next week.